look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popwich. How are you doing? I'm great, Faisal. How about you? I'm wearing my pink, my friend. That's not pink. It, that's mauve. Is that mauve? Okay. I don't, mauve. I don't even know what mauve is, but we'll, we'll, nice I call try. it pink. I call it pink. White dressed well, you this morning. <laughs> we've got we've got the CIBC Run for Cure uh, on breast cancer uh, tomorrow, so I'm kind of pre. Oh, is that what you were trying to do? The you whole, picked mauve for that? Pink. Okay. Can we just stick with the prime the colors that I know? I can't even spell mauve, and you're using those kind of words with me to this. It's too early oh, for this. Oh boy, I'll tell you. <laughs> Anybody that could help Faisal spell Mauve and sends an email to him gets a free book. I'm oh, wow. You, Look free at that. Bulletproof your retirement. If you know how to spell Mauve and send it to Faisal. I need all the help I can get, apparently. <laughs> We're giving away free books for me. My spelling. Fantastic. Oh, it's going to be that kind of day, isn't it? It's going to be that kind of a show. We're going to have a great time. We're going to be talking about uh, the research and advances that have been in, in helping people with Alzheimer's. Uh, they want to help them with live, living in their lives much better. Uh, there are opportunities out there, Dave, for, mm-hmm. for jobs and for career changes. And, wow. and as you're entering or, or transitioning into retirement. You know, uh, I think this is a really important piece of the conversation. Uh, there's a lot of people that have had a retirement date chosen for them over the past four or five years with what's gone on in our city. And not everybody doesn't want to work. It's not a, I'm not talking about the financial issues around work okay that's a separate issue but there's lots of people that still want to work be engaged and do things but you may have to transition your skills to something else and i think people have to start looking at retirement as a second part of their life the second half of their life and do what you want to do do what makes you happy what you enjoy doing that's what retirement all is all about and if that means you're going to be working in a in a business or a comp for a company that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Enjoy what you want to do. Right. Um, but understand that in this economic time, your skills are still valuable, yep. although what you were doing before may not be available. Right. And so there's an opportunity to transfer those skills, and we're going to be talking to yep. uh, experts on that as well. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, the week that was. Yeah. Um, you know, we often call this the water cooler talk bit. Um, I, I'm going to start here because okay. I've had a bunch of interesting conversations okay. uh, this week. And there was a common theme. Uh, we've talked about this theme, I think, before. Uh, so I don't want to beat a dead horse uh, here. But, Faisal, the common theme, again, was um, we, have, we, we have experienced um, a very concentrated uh, move in U.S. equity markets. Got you. Okay. Okay. And, the, you know, questions people are, the conversations I'm having, it's at the people are almost at the point of capitulation. I just want to put all my money into the U.S. stock market because that's been a heck of a good trade over the past two years. Yeah, and if you look at just this year alone, year to date, um, there has not been a single major investment you can get into besides the U.S. stock market that's given you a positive return. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. And again, on the, on the heels of a, of a 2017, that was pretty good for U.S., right? And you can feel the pressure. Like my conversations um, are around feeling the pressure that, that people are experiencing. we got to put all of our money into one area. Now, I, I want to broaden the conversation. It's not about the U.S. stock market here. It's about the notion of, uh, of goals, objectives, and strategies, right? Because uh, here's what's going to happen, or I'm fearful that's happening right now, is people are abandoning a discipline or a strategy they've put in place, whatever that strategy may be, okay? And you could have a strategy that just says, put all my money in the, the U.S., okay? But let's assume it's not that. Let's assume it is a more diversified strategy. Well, let's talk about also why you wouldn't put 
all your eggs in one basket. Doesn't take out the names uh, U.S. stocks and insert anything else yeah. at any point in time. Technology, cannabis. At some point, it was energy stocks. Whatever it may yeah. be. Yeah. It was a concentration to one area. Now, concentration can make you a lot of money. Yep. It can also lose you a lot of money. Yep. And when you're at a point of transitioning to or living in retirement, the problem that we face in volatile times, and we don't know when the volatility is coming. No one sounds a bell or you don't see sirens going off before volatility starts. It just happens. And it, it is hard to get out of that putting all your our emphasis, even all in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my, my concern with that is, is that um, we are going to see more and more people get frustrated with, uh, with the amount of um, um, exposure. Yeah. Is that a good word yeah. to use? Exposure in the, in the stock market. And they're pushing their way into the stock market more and more. Yeah. Uh, and so what's basically going to come out of this is uh, we are, we as for professionals in the financial planning world, professionals as money managers, uh, have to talk to our clients, talk to people in the public, and explain to individuals, you're not going to get 100% of that run-up if you are not 100% in it. Yep. And the reason why you're not in it is because of safety, security, lower volatility to reach your goals. And in times like this, it's very difficult to um, to swallow that that and say, I'm prepared to take less considering I want to keep things safe. Yeah, and I'm going to I'm going to take it a step further even. So, what happened if you uh, you know, let's talk about the fact that you maybe did have somewhat of a diversified portfolio, but your US portion of your portfolio has done exceptionally well relative to all other aspects over the past 2 years. Now, you've got a concentration risk in a in a diversified portfolio, yep, simply because of the outperformance of one asset class over the other asset classes. Correct. So, do you just let it run? <laughs> You want me to give you the professional answer or the emotional answer? <laughs> Why don't we talk about both? Okay, let's start with the emotional one. Okay. Let your let your leaders lead and let them run run the course. Right. And I and professionally, I can tell you there is there is research done over multiple decades sure. that says um, on at least on an annual basis, take your profits and rebalance. So so example, let me give you an example: sixty percent in stocks, forty percent in bonds. Let's assume that you have most of that in the U.S. because okay. you happen to pick it right. Okay. Uh, your stock portfolio takes off uh, 20, 30%, okay. like it has in the last couple of years in the US. Yeah. Um, you would then take the profit from that. So if you were actually you know, 70 or 80% in the stock market, 20% the bond market, because how well the US stock market has done the last couple of years, you're out of whack for your risk tolerance. You're out of Correct. whack for your, um, for your comfort zone. You're out of whack potentially for what the objectives of that money is for. In this situation, we'll call retirement. So if what you should be doing, and this really hurts people, especially when I say we're going to be doing this for clients, is taking our profits and putting it into things that are not doing as well. Right. How dare you, Faisal, take money out of the fastest growing market Mm -hmm. and move it into, oh, I don't know, boring bonds. Mm -hmm. Don't smile, Dave. Don't smile. Um, And that's not doing it. In fact, it's losing money. Well, you're buying at a cheaper price. I don't know anybody who says to me, can you buy me stocks at the, at the top and we'll sell at the bottom? They always say the opposite. Let's right. start to buy but at a cheaper price. But their behavior is opposite of what they, that says. And so if there's anything we can deliver to you as a listener today, think about what we just said when it comes to rebalancing the investments between different markets. Mm-hmm. So Canada, international, emerging markets, and U.S. 
and between asset classes, we have five pillars. So we always move within the five pillars. Right. What, if you fail to do that, mm -hmm. then you are 100% reliant on market timing, knowing what's going to happen before it happens. Mm -hmm. And that is a recipe to hurt people's retirement. Ask anybody who was heavily weighted in the energy sector right before it fell, and they stuck with it because they were given the comment of, hang in there, it's long-term, don't worry, things will be okay. Right. It's not gonna be okay. It's not gonna be just a hang in there mentality. It is a rebalance and protect along the way that's a different strategy than what you would have if you were 30 and you can let your flyers fly because you you've got a long time. You bet, yeah. I mean, that dollar cost averaging idea is terrific when you're 30 and 40 and plowing new money in constantly. But when your pension is closed, I mean, when you retire, there's no new money coming in and you are living off of your savings, the rules of investing are, are going to fundamentally change. And we're going to talk about that particular point, my friend, at our upcoming seminar uh, and go into a lot of detail. In fact, a very specific thought exercise about that example and how dangerous it can be as you move into retirement yeah and we'll talk about that on tuesday october 23rd 7 p.m at the oak ridge co-op one in spirits now you need to reserve your seats and believe me they are filling fast already so please call in and reserve your seats at 966-8400 that's 966-8400 or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com all right and anybody that can spell mauve and sends it into morethanmoneyradio.com <laughs> Gets a free book, Bulletproof oh. Your Retirement, just because it's that kind of day You're and Faisal so needs that. so mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that was great. Okay, uh, stay tuned after the break because we're going to talk about the latest research into living better with Alzheimer's. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Uh, you know, Faisal, the quality of people's uh, retirement uh, is not just a money a number thing. It's an engagement thing. And people are more and more becoming involved. You know, they're, they're leaving a career and then they're starting something new, right? Correct. Or they're thinking about, you know, working at a different pace or a job perhaps that they didn't have in the past or using a skill set, you know, in a different area. And, you know, it's interesting to think about uh, what that means. A bit daunting, scary sometimes, but... Um, it's a reality, right? It's a reality of more and more people. Yeah, and I think what people tend to sometimes forget is that retirement is not the end of a life or end of a career. It could be a start of something, something new. new. Yeah. And so when we, we focus on what's available out there, and a lot of common um, comments that I hear from individuals that speak to us are about, um, well, I'm too old. Yeah. They won't hire me. Right. Um, how much money could I really make? Right those kind of co questions, concerns, and comments come out. So I think we need to bring some experts in to kind of answer those questions. And we uh, have just uh, done just that. Amina Mohammed is joining us, Director of Business Development, Randstad Canada. Um, excuse me, Amina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, we do appreciate you taking the time on this, and this is, you know, the, the career, sorry, the transition from one career into this notion of retirement or perhaps a different career later in life can often be a bit daunting for people. Uh, all of the questions that, you know, Faisal brought up are things that run through people's minds. Uh, maybe just give us a little, uh, you know, advice for those who are approaching the traditional retirement age um, and, you know, looking for a change or they're debating a different career. What kind of jobs are out there for them? What should they, what should they be looking for? For sure. Well, we live in a very interesting job market right now here in Calgary. It's vastly different than it was 24 months ago, 12 months ago, even three months ago. There are many opportunities available. And when somebody comes to us, basically it's about those transferable skills. 
how can we best market them to our clients, being many different employers in the city, but also how can we market the employer to them? How can we best have them pivot in the market to do maybe a bit of a different role, but using the same qualifications and skill set that they've done throughout their entire career? You know, that's, it's interesting, the transferability of the skill sets and this common notion, phase that we have, well, I'm, I'm too old. We've had in our city a lot of people go through a forced retirement. Correct. Right? And, uh, you know, they're wondering, can I work? Should I work? I mean, let's forget about the should I from a an economic perspective, but, yeah. um, you know, about this whole notion of getting engaged in doing something. It's it's scary for people, right? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on my little soapbox here. I think there's one thing that I mean I mentioned was the transferable of skills. Mm-hmm. And so I think many times we have individuals who are part of, let's say, the oil and gas sector because it's a big sector here in Calgary. And uh, they come to me and they say, okay, well, in my retirement, I'm going to just cut down my hours and consult. Right. And then they try to consult and they can't because there's not that much opportunity right. to consult in, in this uh, economic Strange. environment. Yep. So they're kind of stuck. What do I do now? And so, I mean, let's start kind of going from there is um, what indust- what industries are really looking for? And what when you look at transferable skills for someone who's going outside of their current industry, what do they, what should they be looking at? So I have a great example, actually, that relates to this. So a lady worked in Calgary 20 years on a professional level in a technical and executive supporting function in an oil and gas company. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, got laid off, out of work for one and a half years, came to see us and said, like, what am I doing wrong? I'm applying to hundreds of jobs a week, not getting a call back. So we assisted her in changing her resume around to make it maybe a little bit less technical, but focus on the skills she already has and can market to get in to a different sector, a different industry. We were able to successfully place her in the public sector here in Calgary on a long-term contract. The role is different, but she's using what she has and she's learning new knowledge and new skills. She's actually really happy, loves where she's working, very engaged, and they just extended her contract for another three months. So there's an example of you're pivoting in the market, you may not make what you used to make, right? The reality Mm -hmm. is oil and gas is a bubble. It's an anomaly in our market and every market. You have to really be open to a myriad of opportunity and not pigeonhole yourself saying, well, I'm going to consult or I'm going to do exactly what I used to do, but really what else is out there and how can it suit me? So let's talk about uh, transferable skill sets because that's an interesting example without this, maybe the specifics of this case. I'm interested to know how you might, um, you know, somebody would come to you with a set of skills, um, having gone through that process of being rejected a whole bunch of times, and then it's a repositioning of of those skills that gets an employer's attention. Give us us some idea of what that might look like. So if somebody's listening and say, geez, I'm I'm in that position, right? I'm just not getting callbacks, but I've got great experience. I've got terrific skill sets. What, what, What are some of those skills that you need to reposition differently if you're going from you know, private to public or oil and gas to whatever, healthcare or something like that. Right. So what's important is knowing how to use a system, as an example, rather than a specific proprietary system. That is something we're finding a lot where people say, I know how to use system A, but what does this company use? And it's not about the actual system, as an example. It can be just knowing how to manipulate and work through something. In addition, how to work, let's say, on a large team. What kinds of reports were you putting out? What kinds of things were you learning? Really, what's the ROI for our clients being the companies that they would get 
for bringing this person on board. And we act as that liaison, as that agent to speak on their behalf saying, here's why they are the right fit for you. And then on the flip side, we do the same thing with the candidates where we say, here's why this company is the right fit for you. And we have to get buy-in from both angles for it to work for us. That is actually the crux of our business is that job fit, boss Mm. fit, company fit. Gotcha. So a couple of things you mentioned was transferable of skills and that people should not be expecting the kind of income they were expecting uh, in their previous roles or in the past because of our economic situation here in Calgary. From a, If you can kind of give us some broad strokes of certain types of skills or jobs that are out there for the 50-plus individual and what kind of expectation of compensation, because you came out with a recent guide on, on compensation. I'd love to hear your insight on that. Sure. So right now what we're seeing in the market is a shortage in a few different sectors. So if we start kind of on the top level, it would be around software developers, project managers, mechanical engineers are definitely sought after right now. So if we really get down to the nitty gritty when it comes to a project manager, we're looking for folks who are PMP certified or hold a PNG. And the salary expectation on average would be about 120000 and up depending on experience. Software developers don't need as much experience, just a three years kind of as an average, but in a variety of the software languages that exist in Canada. And that's about a 75000 and up from a salary perspective. Mechanical engineers, a little more tenured, so the 10 plus year of experience. And you're looking at about an $85,000 expectation. But don't discount the administrative side as well. Executive assistants are in high demand today in our market. Someone who's supported a senior level director, vice president, can expect after seven years to get around $75,000 as a base salary. But take into account things like total compensation. What else? You know, the base salary is important. Absolutely. Talk to me about benefits, RSP, uh, deferred profit sharing, vacation, parking. There's lots of other things that come into play, but it's very easy to get bogged down in the, well, what's my base salary? Because that doesn't always equate to your take home. And from an administration level, there's a lot of people who've been in the oil and gas sector from an administration or or an assistant position. Uh, during the boom times, they were making some great money out there because they, that was the, the money and the cash that was flowing around. What are expectations for people who just want to take, you know, still be part of a company and still support them from an administrative perspective, but not have the high demands of maybe a, an executive assistant or anything in that, in that type of level? What, what, what's the expectation that we can have in the city today? So it would be usually between a fifty to sixty thousand dollar mark for a intermediate to a senior administrative assistant who has a very relevant, important job function, but not the support level with the demands on their time that they used to potentially have. I mean, we're going to have to finish this up pretty quickly, but age is a uh, is an issue that always comes up. So fifty plus, um, how do you take that perceived disadvantage, turn it to an advantage? Really, it comes down to you know. What are your qualifications? What are your skills? What do you bring to the table that somebody else doesn't, regardless of your age? For us, it's about will you put your best foot forward and represent us well as a company as well as yourself? Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's probably uh, very well said. Isme- uh, sorry, Ismina. I mean, we're going to have to leave it there. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to join us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. We've been joined by Amina Mohammed, Director of Business Development in Redstead, Canada. Uh, really good feedback in terms of uh, where we are as a city right now, Faisal. But I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of people, and we talk to a lot of those people, who maybe want to take that next step. There is an opportunity to do that. But there's a bit of a sales and marketing that has to go on now, right? If Correct. You're gonna, if you're going to change careers, you may have to reposition, uh, you know, a little uh, reposition how you communicate your skill sets to the 
different employers. What I like about this conversation is you can spread your wings a little bit further and just go outside of your own industry and look at where your skills can be transferable. And I think that's the transition is what we'll be talking about. People who are transitioning uh, to retirement are going through these multiple things, financial, non-financial, health, everything that's going on in a person's life. It's more complex at that point in time than ever before. And we're going to discuss that on Tuesday, October 23rd, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine and Spirits. Now you need to reserve your seats. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go to our website at morethanmoneyradio.com. Health is an asset class. If you're interested in thinking about how to properly plan for that and maximize the quality of life, stick around for the next segment. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. It is, uh, it's, there's a topic that we talk an awful lot about because it touches a lot of us personally and a lot of people, and that's Alzheimer's and the effect as we age and this notion of health care and quality of care. Yeah. Uh, it is World Alzheimer's Awareness Month this month, and so we thought we should, uh, we would do another piece on that because there's constant research being done, Faisal, about, um, you know, how to improve the quality of life and extend the quality of your mental health, you know, as you're facing what's a really de- de- uh, debilitating disease. Mm-hmm. So we've got a couple of terrific guests to join us today. Um, given all that I've said, Dr. Jenny Plough, who's a scientific director of the Aging Community and Health Research Unit at McMaster University. And in addition to that, Dr. Maureen Markle-Reed. She's Canada Research Chair in Aging, Chronic Disease, and Health Promotion Interventions. She's also at McMaster University. Ladies, thank you very much for taking some time with us today. Thank you. Thank you. This is, of course, Alzheimer's Awareness uh, uh, month uh, worldwide. This is not just a disease that touches us in, you know, in Calgary and Ontario or in Canada. This is a worldwide uh, issue that we're facing. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about, bring us up to speed on maybe some of the kinds of assistive devices or research that's been done recently to try to enhance the quality of life for people that are suffering from this disease. Yes. Um, so where our research focuses mainly on on different strategies to support caregivers or family and friend caregivers mm-hmm. of uh, seniors who have um, Alzheimer's disease or other types of dementia, as well as multiple chronic conditions. And so we've done a number of studies in that area that Jenny can speak to. So much of our focus has been looking at caregivers. So we know, for example, that people with Alzheimer's disease or dementia often have many other chronic conditions as well. So it becomes very challenging for caregivers. So some of our work has been looking at web-based supports. So we know that it's often hard for caregivers to leave the home. And so being able to access web-based supports, such as the internet and other materials, has been very helpful. So what is available on the web includes material such as just education material about what is Alzheimer's, how we can support people who have that and how to support caregivers. But there are also chat rooms available that people can connect with caregivers, as well as some connections with professionals available through the web. And so our research has found that the combination of those kinds of supports actually makes a difference for caregivers. It helps decrease their stress, anxiety, and depression. One of the projects that we were involved with was actually testing a toolkit for caregivers Mm. to see how it could help them. And so they were able to um, participate in sections like my story, what helps me, what are my goals, what's my backup plan, what am I doing for myself today. So we asked caregivers who used that toolkit, what did you find most useful about it? And they said, 
it was just being able to share their experience with others. The information was useful. And also finding out about different community resources was really helpful to those caregivers. And I think that's a key point, Dave, because we find that um, many of our clients who talk to us that are in this situation where they're the caregiver. Yes find themselves be feeling alone. Oh, yeah. That they don't have, um, there's no support or a community out there that's experiencing what they're experiencing. And these types of chat rooms or my story definitely uh, give an opportunity for individuals to go online, read up at their own pace, at their own at their own time. You yeah. know, it's not like you have to attend a, a meeting or anything like that. This is, this is, you grab the information when you're ready and then you know that other people are going through what you're going through yeah. and, and they're giving you ideas or things that they've experienced so you can, you can learn from them. So you're taking, it's kind of like a, a, a buffet. You're taking the best of all the ideas out there and putting it on your own plate. No, I think that's really good. Uh, and ladies, I'll just toss this out to uh, whichever one of one he wants to start or, or run with this, but I am curious about what some of the the latest or the newest innovations are. Things you you know your community of experts are are thinking about, and and even what's been been proven to work because there's a lot of misinformation out there. I mean, what are some of the general tips, tricks, you know, hints that you could give to people that perhaps are caregivers right now and they're you know caring for somebody with dementia, Alzheimer's. I, I can take a stab at that. Um, one of the um, organizations that's very helpful is the Alzheimer's Society. They have a program called First Link, which attempts to hook up or link uh, caregivers to formal services early in the process. Because oftentimes caregivers wait and delay use of services until it's really in a crisis situation where they're burnt out or the, the individual with dementia is suffering uh, from other complications from the disease. So it's really important for caregivers to get connected early, and this program is really instrumental in doing that. The other um, resource that I wanted to highlight is the McMaster Optimal Aging Portal, and this is a free website that gives information on, on exactly what you're asking about. Uh, for It has over 75 topics on health and social services and over 100 resources alone on the topic of Alzheimer's and dementia. So what they do in the the portal is they really summarize the latest evidence uh, related to managing um, Alzheimer's disease. Um, They help people make sense of the scientific research so that they can more easily make decisions and helps them to stay informed on on various topics related to the the concerns that they have. And you can subscribe to this newsletter so they'll actually push out um, updates on a regular basis. So I would highly encourage people to go to that website. Have either of you come across any new innovations that are out there? I understand that there's uh, resources that people can go and grab uh, or get pushed information to. But what about the new things that are out there or certain innovations that, you know, the general public may not even know that's available as as, uh, this disease gets more and more um, um, part of the mainstream? I'm going to call it that way, as sad as it sounds. Um, What are some of the new innovations out there that you're that you're seeing? Um, that's a, it's a tough one. I think, um, as Maureen said, the Alzheimer's Society. So there are local Alzheimer's societies in many communities. There's an Ontario Alzheimer's Society and a Canadian. And if you go on those websites, you'll see a lot of different innovations. And one of the innovations I was looking at, for example, recently um, at in the Alberta area was Asant Cafe, A-S-A-N-T Cafe. So that's an online gathering place for people 
with dementia and their caregivers. And they provide regular updates about some of those kinds of innovations, but also the opportunity to connect. And so we're recognizing, I think, more and more that the social connections with other caregivers are absolutely key. I think that's uh, I think that is absolutely true and uh, Faisal you and I know people personally have been touched by that. I'm sure everybody does, right? And it's a very very difficult job. And you know you know what else is out, what I'm noticing too, Dave is that um, when I'm doing my research on technology companies and so forth, there's a lot more technology now than ever before helping in these types of situations. For example, mm-hmm. the the Apple uh, Pro, Apple Watch that just came out yep. allows now more communication with family doctors and checking if people fall and so forth because although you may have alzheimer's even a fall is yep. still very very um, um traumatizing and uh, and needs to be uh, uh, addressed right away there are more and more pieces of technology and you're talking to some of the big names amazon google facebook and uh, mm-hmm. apple that are, are using more and more technology that you can actually be virtually with your with your loved one right. while you're not there they've got camera systems that you can you can keep tracks on there are information that can get notifications to your phone if the doors are unlocked or 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 opened yep. and that you can know that even though you're not there with with mom or dad, that at least you have information coming to you so you don't feel powerless. Like uh, the, the regret of, I wish I could be there, right. or I wish I could do that. They, people have to have their lives, and they have to balance everything. These are technologies that are coming down. I'm, I'm excited to see more and more of this. And, and as these chat rooms, these groups that are communicating, as they experience these, these different types of technology, that's going to get pushed yep. out, and you're going to see more and more of that. Uh, Jen, uh, Jenny and um, <clears throat> excuse me, Maureen. I want to thank you for your time today. We appreciate your input. Thank you very thank much. You very much. Hey, we, bye. Bye, bye. We've been doing, uh, joined by Dr. Jenny Plough, Scientific Director of the Aging, and Dr. Maureen Merkel Reed, Canada Research Chair in Aging, Chronic Disease, and Health uh, Promotion uh, Interventions. So, Faisal, we've got uh, maybe a minute left here. Uh, we believe that health is a, is a, is an asset class. We're going to talk about that. Uh, in segment four of the show today. It's yep. absolutely critical. It's not just about Alzheimer's. We do spend time on that, but it's a much broader conversation than just one disease. And the number one issue that people see as they age or they go through retirement is their health care and their health issues. Um, Alzheimer's is one that keeps on coming up when mm-hmm. I talk to them. Yep. So how do you make sure your finances are in order for that? We're going to talk about that on Tuesday, October 23rd, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine Spirits and Beer. You need to reserve your seat, so give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966 966- 8400 or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com I do have to say that we are filling up rooms quick please go online or call us to book because we don't want to say no and not see you if we can see you sooner than later and if uh, if part of your plan your retirement plan involves working or continuing to work then t- uh, stick around for the next segment because we're going to talk about how you can transition your skills to a different kind of a career work at a pace and in a job that's very interesting to you you're on 770 CHQR and more than money Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, health is an asset class, my friend. It is. We talk about buckets all the time. There's four of them. There's, you know, most of our, if you've been any kind of a long-term listener, you'll have know, you'll know these terms, the income bucket, the growth bucket, the health bucket, and the legacy bucket. Um, and when we inevitably speak to crowds and we ask them the question, you know, what concerns you about retirement? There's a number of consistent things that come up and, and always health comes up can can we do something different that we've really never done in our in our show sounds fun. can we tell everybody how we handle the health bucket yeah just absolutely. share it with everybody sure absolutely this is you're giving away free books because of my shirt <laughs> let's give away free information to everybody out there 
about how you take care of your health bucket in retirement. So first and foremost, we say health is an asset class because health is what will ha- help you enjoy your, your retirement. Absolutely. Um, the second part of this, Dave, is there is a process you need to go through in order to protect your health and, more importantly, the quality of care yep. in the future. And the quali- add to that the quality of life, right? This, yes. is, this is about quality yes. of life. It's enjoying everything. That's right. So, so let's, let's start off with... Hang on. Can I add one more thing? Go for it. Because I want to frame it for people in, in retirement. So when we talk about retirement um, you know, at the seminar, we talk about uh, sort of four potential stages. We call retirement just one phase. Yeah. Can I narrow it down to three and make it really fun okay. and easy? Yeah. It's the fun years, yeah. the not-so-fun years, and the get-me-the-hell-out-of-here stage. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Those are the three real stages you're going to go through. Driven in- by typically... Health. Changes in health. Yes. Right. And so I'm, I'm going to come out and say, here's what we first do. When I sit down with a client, because I lead the health bucket, mm-hmm. I love talking about this, not because it's it's health, but it's about finding the solution and getting, getting the results from the right. solution. Number one, first thing you need to do is understand there's three parts to your health or three different areas in regards to your health care. Mm-hmm. Number one is day-to-day living. What are you doing right. and need from a day-to-day perspective? And the first that comes up is... Um, medical and dental, either insurance or payments towards those things. So when you go see your dentist or prescription drugs and so forth, um, we'll go uh, above and beyond that talking about, because it's your lifestyle, travel insurance. Do you have those set up and do you know what it takes uh, or what's required, especially with changing and pre-existing conditions and so forth, things will change along the way. Right. So understanding what you have from a day-to-day perspective, shopping around, making sure you've got the right policies or right protection or assets to protect in that situation. Right. One other p- piece that people need to look at and from a, from a um, health bucket perspective is our second phase, which I call preventive. Right. The preventive side, uh, Dave, is, is where we start talking about the things you can do to prevent issues in the future. Mm-hmm. From as easy or simple as having a gym membership, which you attend. I have a gym membership, but I call it a donation because I just don't go. Does eating a Timbit count in there? That was my, I, for my Fitbit, it does. <laughs> I walked to there and got it. <laughs> but the, um, the, the perspective of, of, of the preventive category yep. requires you to list the items you need to do to prevent issues in the future. So gym membership, yoga classes are coming up more and more for individuals yep. over the age yep. of 50. Very important there for strength training and so for flexibility and so forth. So that's coming into play. We do one thing on top of that. We actually ask our clients to sit down and get an annual review or an annual physical with their family physician. And not just get that completed, but get a report that identifies issues that you have in family history, that you have in what medications you're taking in regards to the diets that you have, mm-hmm. and what you need to do to ch- in your lifestyle to make sure that you have a preventive issues in the future. Exactly. Add one more layer to that. We work with U.S. DNA companies. And we ask our clients if they choose to use this company to go out and get your DNA done. Now, you and I have got our DNA tests done. Mm-hmm. Yep. And in the DNA test, it kind of goes through a couple things. Are, do you have the, um, the genetic variant? Uh, I hope I'm saying these the words. Gene variant, yep. The gene variant. The gene variant that is, gives you the predisposition to certain types of illnesses such as Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's, and so forth. That doesn't mean you're going to get it. Correct. That just means do you, are you predisposed to that? Now, let's talk about why. So why did we get that, right? Talk about, you know, you're, you're getting the testing done, but there's a, and this is going to sound a little bit morbid, and I don't want it to sound morbid, but your family history and my family yes. history, as an example, are very different. Very they? different. 
Okay, so first of all, you, you're in a family of tall people, but that's separate to the case. Uh, the, the real, the real part of it is, and I'm going to share your personal information yep. and mine. On my on my DNA test, the variance for for long term disease is not there. For your family, it's there, mm-hmm. and and that would be dementia, Alzheimer's. Right. And so when you look at long term issues, the cost for you in long term care or long term needs of care, right, is much more than in my situation, just solely focusing on the DNA test itself. What the DNA test does is just adds another layer of information so you have a guidance of what's available. People freak out and they want to load up in their health bucket and save all this money or dedicate assets to that because just in case. And, and I think that might be a waste of resources. Yeah. And so why not get as much information to give you the highest probability to understand what the future may look like? Right. Okay. So there's your annual physical and your DNA test. We call that part of the preventive piece. Then we move on to long-term care. Now I'm going to pick on a standard couple. I know there's a lot of singles out there, single and individuals out there listening to the show, but let's talk about a couple because I think this kind of resonates more when, when you have these types of issues. There's additional risks there, right? Right. So one of the things that people need to do, if you're if you're listening onto the show or you're going to view it on on uh, on our other social medias or listen to the podcast after, um, write down all the activities you do in your home, from financial management to putting up the Christmas tree right. to shoveling the lawn, shoveling the lawn, yeah, right? you know, lawn Cooking care, dinner, everything, yep. all those activities just to survive in yep. your home yep. and have that kind of lifestyle, yep. and then write down who does what. There's blue jobs and there's pink jobs out there, okay? you got the blue jobs and your wife's got the pink jobs. And God forbid something happens to your spouse where she is not able to do the activities or tasks that she has mm-hmm. normally done. Mm-hmm. Who the heck's going to do that? Mm-hmm. Is it you? Mm-hmm. Or do you outsource that? Right. And if you outsource that, is it to family members? I know you're going to get your two girls to do all the work, so that doesn't matter. <laughs> but if they're not around, they say, no, uh, Dad, I'm not even coming near you. Um Who's going to do it? Right. And it could be you'd have to hire somebody outside. Right. There's a cost. Right. Take it one step further. If both of you are unable to do it, who's going to do it? Right. And then take it one step further. If one of you has to go into a long-term care facility because home care is not adequate for your needs, yep. then what are you going to do? What kind of care do you want? Where is it going to be? And then what we do is we start taking all that information – and put a cost towards it. Correct. We start to assign dollar amounts for everything you're outsourcing and the quality of care you may need in the long term. Right. So phase three is long-term care. What would you need? If you take your preventive information, your annual uh, health checkup with your doctor, your DNA testing, look at that and say that's that's somewhat of a foreshadow. And then let's look at what we can do from a pink jobs, blue jobs, write everything down. Who's the alternate to that? Put a cost associated to it. And then go into the long-term care needs and put in a, a, a cost associated to that. You understand what the total cost would be for the health bucket. Then you can decide what assets will be the best to dedicate into that bucket to reach that, that objective. I'll give you two very real examples about uh, that that happened this week. <clears throat> now, I'll make it quick because I know we're running out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, someone very close to us uh, has a mother uh, that is in a long-term care facility. He got a call this week. Yeah. That her costs are going up sixty percent overnight. Sixty percent overnight. overnight. Now, let me put the dollar figure in perspective because the percentage sounds big, but it's from five thousand dollars a month to eight thousand dollars a month because of the additional support 
that and she needs. hours that they have to put in, the caregivers have to put in. How do you all of a sudden get this big smack in the face saying, I need $36,000 more a year to take care of your mother? Right. But that's $100,000 a year on an after-tax basis to support that person. This is this is serious money by anybody's uh, definition. The second one was interesting. We talked about, I talked with a client this week, um, uh, and he's an, uh, a, an older father. So he's become a father of two children uh, later in life. And he's concerned that if his wife were to pass, that he's really not that capable, as the kids are younger, of taking care of the kids properly. That's a $400,000 cost we determined, right? So so these kinds of things are very real. We've got to think about them. Um, sometimes it sounds scary, right? Yep. These conversations aren't necessarily fun to and have. And it's not to scare the right. listeners or viewers on this. This is not the purpose of that. The purpose is to educate and inform and have that empowerment that you know you've got things under control. The, the problem that people have is people say, what if? Right. And they don't know what to do right. just in case. So I, I, put, I paint the picture as, you know, the fire alarms we have in our hallways in this building and so forth? Yep. In the event something goes wrong, break glass, pull fire alarm. Yep. That's exactly what the health bucket strategy is designed to do. Right. In the event something goes wrong, break the glass, pull the fire alarm, and you've got your process set up. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, listen, we've got to leave it there. We don't want to overdo this, but everybody gets the idea, I think, very strongly that this is an asset class. And we're going to talk about that asset class and how it relates to the four buckets, right? The other three at our upcoming seminar. Yeah, that's going to be on Tuesday, October 23rd, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine and Spirits. You need to reserve your seat, so give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. Any of the segments we did today or in uh, in past are going to be at morethanmoneyradio.com. In our archive section, you can also have them directly delivered to you every single week by searching for more than uh, more than money chqr on your favorite podcast app or in uh, in iTunes. So get set up. We love uh, talking to you. Thanks for tuning into another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. David Popovich and Basil Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Basil Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, an investment industry regulatory organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.